0: Good evening, and welcome to North Point Baptist Church. I'm so glad that you're here tonight. We are continuing our series of messages today on the journey into the heavenlies, a study of the book of Revelation. Our men are passing out uh, the handouts, and while they're doing that, let me just tell you that uh, all of these lessons, as well as any Other messages that are preached at North Point Baptist Church are available in several different formats. You can go online to our website, uh, and uh, right on the front page you'll see a player. You can uh, choose the message there and uh, play it right there on the front page. Uh, For all of those on Wednesday night, on that player, you have the option to listen, to download, and also to see the notes. And if you click on the notes It'll be the notes that are given out during our Wednesday night uh, services, and you can download those into a PDF uh, right onto your computer and follow along. You can also go, if you have an iPhone, to the podcasting app and search North Point Baptist Church, and you will find our church's podcast. Every time uh, a message is uh, recorded here at North Point Baptist Church, it will be sent to the podcast And you'll be able to listen to that right on any device that you have that is uh, an Apple device. Or you can go to the iTunes store and uh, search podcasting that way, and it'll be available there. And then in about 10 days or so, our app will be available. So you'll be able to download uh, all of those uh, uh, messages as well as other things on the app. Uh, So we just want to make sure that you know that all of that is available to you. And uh, if you have any questions about that, you can uh, let us know and we'll be able to help you. Well, tonight we are continuing our study in the book of Revelation. Last week we laid a pretty solid foundation as to uh, where we are going and what we are doing. And tonight we're going to jump right into Revelation chapter number one. And we're going to start reading in verse number one. So if you'll follow along with me, Revelation chapter one in verse number one. The Bible says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand." And hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse number 7. Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. And they also which pierced Him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. Even so, amen. And then verse number 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. The Almighty. So we're going to begin right at the top of your outline tonight, and I, uh, if you, I pray that you will follow along. And if you have any questions, uh, please don't hesitate to ask. The, our title of our lesson tonight is the Prologue. The Prologue, chapter number one, verses one through eight. Every book of the Bible is important, but the book of Revelation is of unique significance because it is about the things which must shortly come to pass. It deals with the consummation of the age and therefore it is the only New Testament book... That is primarily prophetic. So when you look at all the books in the New Testament and you analyze the book of Revelation, it is the only book in the New Testament that is primarily prophetic. It is prophetic in most of its words uh, because here we have this is, if you look to the New Testament, you'll find, uh, of course, Paul's letters and you'll find uh, the Gospels and uh, you'll find many exhortations. Uh, but they did not know anything about the future events that were to come. There, there was not much said about that. If you go to the Old Testament, you look at the book of Isaiah, and of course, Isaiah gives a prophetic account of the things to come with Jesus Christ uh, being born uh, in a manger and, of course, dying on the cross for our sins. And then, of course, you go to Ezekiel and the book of Daniel, and there are some prophetic events that have to do with the end times. Uh, but really, up until you get to the book of Revelation, we know very little about the future. The first five words of the first verse are really the title of the book. Uh, If you read books about the book of Revelation, or uh, even commentaries, uh, they will say that uh, the title of the book is the Revelation of St. John, or they'll say St. John's Revelation on the Isle of Patmos, or they'll use several other uh, uh, possible titles. But the truth of the matter is, is that the title comes from the first five words in the book of Revelation, and we'll read that together. Revelation chapter 1 verse number 1 the revelation of Jesus Christ it is Jesus Christ's uh, revelation it is only because of him there is nothing apart from Him uh, that can happen in the book of Revelation. Jesus Christ is the center focus. It is His revelation. and It is His alone. Uh, no matter what anybody says, without, uh, apart from Jesus Christ, there is no revelation. There is no hope. Just like there's no hope of salvation, just like there's no hope in anything else without Jesus Christ. And so the first five uh, words are the title of the book. The word revelation is a translation of the Greek word apokalopsis, from which we get our English word apocalypse, which means an uncovering or an unveiling. I'm sure that many of you have heard of the word apocalypse uh, uh, throughout uh, your lifetime, and uh, it is simply a word that means an uncovering or an unveiling. It is now time for God to uncover to us or unveil to us The things that are coming uh, in the end times. And so that's exactly what the book of Revelation is going to do for us. The idea of the word is that something not apparent or made known before is now disclosed. So again, uh, it is the idea that we did not know any of, this, any of these things before, but now they're being disclosed. Many believers do not study the book of Revelation because they consider it a dark and mysterious book that cannot be understood. However, the very title of this book indicates it is not intended to be a mysterious book that cannot be understood, but rather an illuminating and revealing book. Listen, tonight I want you to know Uh, that this book is enlightening, it is illuminating, it is revealing, and that is the way that we should look at this book. We should not be concerned about necessarily the signs and the symbols and be all caught up in all that. God wants to reveal and God wants to illuminate to us uh, the things in the book of Revelation. Many people stay away from it because they're scared of it. They're scared of what it might, uh, or or, or they may not understand it, but the truth of the matter is, is God. God wants to reveal it to us. And that's why we have to rely upon the Holy Spirit of God, because He is the one that will illuminate and reveal to us the things that He wants us to know. So number one, the subject of the book. The subject of the book. What is the subject of the book of Revelation? Uh, The subject of the book is Jesus Christ. The subject of the book is Jesus Christ. If you see uh, in your outline, uh, uh, you'll notice that there are underlines and uh, you, I will try to uh, uh, make it known to you exactly what to put in those blanks. Uh, the subject of the book is Jesus Christ, not future events. The very reason that we study the book of Revelation is because Jesus Christ is the center focus. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of the the future. This is so important. We must not divorce the person from the prophecy. We must not divorce the person from the prophecy. For without the person, the prophecy could not be fulfilled. If it was not for Jesus Christ, again, there would be no hope of the future. You see, without the person of Jesus Christ there would not be prophecy being fulfilled. And uh, Jesus Christ is the reason that all these things that we're going to study in the book of Revelation are going to come to pass. Jesus Christ is not just an incidental character or a spectator in this book. He is the chief subject. For the sake of time tonight, I've placed in your outline some verses, chapter 5, verse 11 through 14, and so forth and so on, where it gives you that idea or the the knowledge that Jesus Christ is in fact the center focus of this book. He is not just an incidental character. Many people want to remove Jesus Christ from the book of Revelation and say that these events are going to occur whether or not Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Can I tell you this evening that that is untrue? Jesus Christ is the chief subject of the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ was given to communicate unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now this is a a, uh, a important phrase here. The word shortly means that when the action begins it will take place In rapid succession, it's important to know that this is not talking about when it's going to happen, but rather how it's going to happen. Uh, There are actually three different beliefs when it comes to the tribulation. There are those that believe in the pre-tribulational rapture, which is what we believe here in our church uh, based on Revelation chapter number 4 and verse number 1, where the Bible says that uh, uh, we were called up or caught up, um, and then all the events begin to transpire. Uh, there are those that believe in the mid-tribulation. They believe that Jesus Christ is not going to return until after the first three and a half years of peace. Of course, we know the tribulation is broken up into two separate uh, uh, entities there's three and a half years of peace and then there's three and a half years of war there are those that believe Jesus Christ is not going to return until after the three and a half years of peace and actually some people believe that we are in that three and a half years of peace right now uh, and that it's more of a symbol uh, a, a symbolic uh, years well the truth of the matter is, is I don't know where they live but I don't find any peace here on earth yet And so they believe that that Jesus Christ is not going to return until the mid-portion of the tribulation. And then there are those that believe that Jesus Christ is not going to return uh, until the post-tribulation, meaning that tribulation is all over. As a matter of fact, they believe that we are in the tribulation right now. Well, I got news for you. If you read the book of Revelation, you see all the things that are going to transpire during the tribulation. Uh, I'm thankful today that we as Christians do not have to endure that. Many people believe that we are in it right now. I have a very difficult time believing that uh, because of the things that I know according to the scriptures and according to the book of Revelation that are going to occur and we are not experiencing that right now. And so they take this word or this verse out of context and they say unto the servants the things which must shortly come to pass. They say, listen, we're already in it. We're already doing it because it was shortly going to happen. No. This verse translated uh, into the Greek means that when the events begin, when the tribulation begins, things are going to begin happening in rapid succession. They're going to happen one event right after another. And as we begin to study... Uh, the tribulation, you will see that. You will see that there's not a lot of time periods between the things that happen uh, uh, during the tribulation. And so it's important that we translate this correctly and knowing that the actions will begin and they, when they begin will take place in rapid succession. They will shortly Come to pass. So don't misinterpret that thought into thinking that we are already there. The Bible is very clear about uh, uh, about the fact that Jesus Christ is going to return prior to the tribulation beginning. The message of this book was communicated by his angel unto his servant John. Now, this is going to begin to pique the interest of some uh, because they're very interested in the subject of angels. Well, angels play a large role in this book as is seen in the judgments of trumpets and bowls, the angel in the little book in chapter number 10, and the messages of the angels in chapter number 14, as well as many other instances. And so uh, uh, as we travel through the book of Revelation, those that are interested in angels are going to learn a little bit more about them. And uh, so we see in chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says that this book was communicated by, this is the key word here, this pronoun, by his angel. By his angel. And uh, we wonder, who is his angel? Well, uh, the angel referred to in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 1 was probably, now that's a key word, was probably Gabriel. And the reason we think that is because God usually sent Gabriel to earth with special messages. And uh, we see that uh, in Daniel chapter 8, verses 15 through 19. We see Gabriel assisting Daniel in the interpretation of a dream. And Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 19, it was Gabriel who brought Zacharias news of the birth of John the Baptist. And then, of course, other instances where Gabriel was sent to the earth to give a message. So uh, it was probably probably Gabriel uh, that God sent uh, to deliver this or to communicate this special message. What an amazing thought process here as we think about Gabriel or whatever angel or whoever angel it was communicating to um, to John uh, this revelation of God. And so uh, as we travel through here, you'll learn much about angels in the book of Revelation. Based on these scriptures and others, it would seem... Uh, it was Gabriel who brought the message to John. However, it's important to know uh, there is no definite identity of the angel given in the book of Revelation. Uh, we are just at this point just assuming uh, that it was, in fact, Gabriel. The angel signified the message to John. Now, this is a, a, an interesting thought. The word signified is a translation of the Greek word that means to give give a sign. To give a sign. It's the idea of sending a message in signs and symbols. Now where have we heard that phrase to give a sign at? If you remember back in the book of Isaiah, uh, that the prophet said, and this shall be a sign unto you. We find that again in the book of Matthew. And this shall be a sign unto you. You see, many people are scared or they're uh, concerned about studying the book of Revelation because of the signs and the symbols. But the truth is, is that God has always been giving us signs. He's always been giving us symbols. And we're not concerned about those because we look in the book of Isaiah and we see that God is going to give us a sign you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and he gave us that sign and we should not be concerned uh, about signs and think that they're mysterious instead they should be intriguing to us to learn more as you look at the old testament you look at the new testament I believe with all my heart that the greatest commentary on the bible is the bible and therefore. We need to take the word of God and begin to weave it together as was designed by God. And so as we see things like this where the word, the angel signified the message to John. Don't, don't be concerned about that. Let's study it. Let's learn. What does that word mean? It means to give a sign. Where else do we see that at in the word of God? And we begin to put it all together. Together, It's the idea of sending a message and signs And symbols. Therefore, this is a book filled with signs and symbols, many of which are explained. They're explained in the book itself when the symbols, and so when the symbols are not explained, other parts of the Bible, particularly the Old Testament must be studied uh, uh, to, for insight and clarification. And so uh, it's important that we look at these signs and we look at these symbols and see that they are either explained here or they may be explained uh, in another book of the Bible, particularly uh, the Old Testament. And uh, if it's not explained in the Old Testament, then it might be unknown. And so uh, we see here that this book, again, is filled with many signs, ...and with many symbols. Verse 2 of chapter 1 reveals the book is simply the written record of what John saw and heard. Verse number 2, the Bible says, "...who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ in all things that he saw." So this is a written record of what John saw and heard, which was a communication from... And about the subject of this book, and of course we know the subject of this book, is Jesus Christ. This is John uh, receiving the communication and then putting it down. This was a completely inspired word of God. It is a written record of what John saw and heard. Now, this is where the mystery comes in. Because you got to realize John is limited by the things that he's heard and he's seen in his lifetime. And so now he's trying to write a book about things to come, and he's not sure uh, about all that he's seeing because he's limited by his experiences. Just this week, uh, someone uh, was talking to me, a couple of ladies were talking to me, and they were talking about uh, one of the previous pastors, Brother Chandler, who taught through the book of Revelation. And, uh, they were saying, they were talking about in chapter number 11 when the two witnesses are put out in the street and murdered and, and they're put out on display for everyone to see, uh, for three days. And he could not comprehend, Brother Chandler could not comprehend how that the whole world would be able to see, uh, uh, these men, uh, at one time. Because you gotta understand back then in the, in the 80s, in the early 80s, um, the, um, Internet was just the dial-up internet. Remember that? It was just that, ee, ee, ee. ah. You know, it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't fast like it is today. And, and if you had cable TV, you were probably rich. And, and, uh, you know, it was just, it was hard to fathom the idea that the whole world would be able to see one event. You say, is it possible today, Pastor? Well, absolutely. Remember September the 11th, 2001, how many of you here tonight watched the second plane hit the tower? Look at all these folks. The whole world saw. They say it took about 12 minutes from the time that the first tower got hit for a live news broadcast to come to us from New York. And in that period of time, we watched the chaos and the destruction. And then you watched that second plane hit the tower. The whole world saw what we were seeing. Leaders of nations were writing letters and and going on the news, expressing their condolences. The whole world, in a matter of probably less than 12 hours, had seen the events of the Twin Towers and the Pentagon and those that were headed towards the White House that landed and died in Pennsylvania, all unfolding right in front of us. And now technology has advanced even more, and, 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 and the, the parameters of it have advanced so much more. It is a real possibility, it is a real reality that the whole world can see it now. And, and John didn't understand that, and even those recently that have been teaching the book of Revelation uh, did not understand that. But God is allowing it all to unfold right in front of us. Number two in your outline, the special blessing. The special blessing. Revelation is the only book in the Bible that promises a special blessing to those who study it. To those who study it. Revelation 1-3 is the first of the seven Beatitudes. You'll hear me talking about the Beatitudes in the book of Revelation in this book. This, This special blessing is promised, first of all, To those who read the book. So uh, it doesn't say to those who understand the book. It doesn't say to those who get all the signs and symbols there will be a blessing. It says that God will bless those that all they have to do is read the book. You're going to get a blessing if all you do is read the book of Revelation. God wants us to be involved and be saturated and be uh, uh, reading the book of Revelation. I believe God understood that many people are going to be concerned and scared and want to stay away from the book of Revelation because of all that it entails. And so this is the only book in the Bible that gives us uh, the promise of a special blessing if we just read it. Many Christians have bypassed Revelation because it is full of signs and symbols they do not understand. And what they do not understand frightens them. However, the promise is that we will be blessed even if we just read the book. The promise is that we will be blessed even if we just read the book. The book. Also the special blessing is promised to those that hear the words of this prophecy. Um, we're in verse number three. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. And this would refer to those who listen as it is read and taught. However, this special blessing is predicated upon keeping those things which are written therein. Look at it again in verse number 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. Why? For the time is at hand. The time is at hand. At hand. So you're going to be blessed to read it. You're going to be blessed, blessed to listen to it. But not only that, in order for that blessing uh, to be fulfilled, it has to be, you have to decide that you're going to keep those things. Which are written therein. So if you've read the book of Revelation, or now that you're listening to it being taught, it's important that we as Christians not only uh, listen and not only read it, but that we adhere to it, that we keep the things which are written therein. In other words, the spiritual truths revealed in this book must be implemented. They must be implemented into our own experiences if we are to receive the promised special blessing. They must be implemented into our own experiences. The phrase, for the time is at hand, translates a Greek word which means due proportion or a fixed or definite period or a season, a season So this phrase does not imply the second advent was about to occur, but in God's view, the final segment of time was in sight. As we think about the book of Revelation, the Bible says the time is at hand, and I believe with all my heart, if you're paying attention to the news and looking at the things that are happening over in Russia and in China and other places, certainly today, more than ever, the time is at hand. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon, and because of that... We have to capitalize on the things that are happening in America on the other side. Uh, just uh, this past weekend, as we, uh, the new movie released, War Room, about prayer and how that God is using that movie to begin a movement in America. And we look at the things that are happening in Kentucky uh, uh, with a lady that went to prison for her beliefs and then we look at things that are happening in our own back door in Villa Rica making national news and all these things. I believe that God is is allowing one last push of Christianity in our lifetime. I believe that this is probably the very last uh, a moment, God moments that we have here in America. So, what do we have to do? We have to capitalize in on them. We have to cash in on it. We have to take the time now to say, "Hey, listen, uh, God is allowing these things to happen in our lives." And so, what do we need to do? We need to do something about it. We need to uh, uh, to tap into it. We need to go after it. Uh, this war room movie has really uh, uh, swept the nation. I was watching a video by the Kendrick brothers who made the video or excuse me who made the movie, and they were talking about how that it became the number one movie uh, in america and Wow, what an amazing thought a Christian movie about prayer being the number one movie in America. Uh, I was reading a Fox News article, and they were talking about uh, over in the state of California, of all places, uh, uh, in in their largest movie screen, they showed this War Room movie. After it was over, people began to grab hands and began to pray. They couldn't even get them out uh, of the theater because they were praying. And listen, God is allowing things like that to happen. In our, uh, in our own backyards. And what do we need to do? We need to capitalize on it. We need to go get them. That's why I'm being so passionate about this Back to Church Sunday and other events that are going to be happening at our church so that we can go out into our community and capitalize on what God is doing. Because this could very well be the very last time, the very last moment that we have in order to capitalize in our lifetime. And so it should be exciting to us. I mean, as, as prophecy is being unfolded and unveiled to us, uh, even right now throughout all of America and this country, we should be excited to be able to capitalize on what God is doing in our lives. So the phrase does not imply uh, the second advent was about to occur, but in God's view, it's literally the final segment of time Was in sight. The second coming of Christ is not pictured in this book as something immediate, but it is something imminent, meaning that it can happen at any time. Thus, this book deals with a special period, the time of the consummation of the age, which may begin at any time. So, God's return to this earth, meaning the rapture of the church, it is imminent. It is going to happen. It is going to take place. It's just a matter of time. And the Bible says that no man knows the day or the hour when Jesus Christ shall return. The Bible says that he will come as a thief in the night. We do not know when Jesus Christ's return is going to take place, but we know it can happen at any time. Number three the salutation. The salutation. It's very interesting as you look at uh, the book of Revelation and uh, especially the salutation part. Uh, uh, The book of Revelation is written in the form of a letter. It's written in the form of a letter with the salutation beginning in chapter 1 and verse number 4. The recipients of the letter were the seven churches which are in Asia, which are individually named in verse number 11. Last week, and on the back of your uh, notes that I gave to you last week, I gave you a map and it indicated to you where the seven churches are located in Asia. And so this letter was written to them uh, in a letter format, in the form of a letter. In addition to his personal salutation, John says to the readers of this letter, and this is great, this is an amazing thought, grace be unto you and peace from him which was, or excuse me, which is and which was and which is to come. This, of course, is speaking of God the Father. So this greeting and this verse and in this book the very salutation that we're receiving is from God the Father. Wow, what a great thought that God the Father is the one that is greeting us. God the Father is the one that is uh, uh, giving us a salutation in the book of Revelation. The one that which is and which was and which is to come. It is a great Great, amazing thought. Though this book deals primarily with the coming judgments of wicked people getting what they deserve, it begins with a wish for grace for its readers, for grace. God is going to extend grace. I believe that, that we are in that final grace period um, in, in America right now. Uh, grace is being extended once again because utter destruction is going to come and uh, the, uh, the coming judgments are going to happen for the wicked people. But the truth of the matter is is that God is still granting grace. The result of experiencing God's grace is peace. It's peace. Though this book is a book of bloodshed, conflict, war, earthquakes, famine, death, and terror. Those who know Jesus as Savior can read it and experience the peace of God. You say, Pastor, how can we experience the peace of God with all of these events that are transpiring and all these things that are happening? How can we experience peace? Because we know that Jesus Christ is the victor. He is the one that gives us the victory in Jesus. Uh, uh, we've read the last chapter of this book. We know who wins, and we can experience the peace of God because of that, because we know that the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come has it all under control because He is God, This is the result of experiencing God's grace, is to be able to have peace. And because we have experienced God's grace, we are not going to have to be involved. We are not going to have to go through the turmoil of the great tribulation. In fact, uh, uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I believe in a a pre-tribulational rapture, because that means that I'm not going to have to be a part of those terrible things. I'm going to be spending my time with my Savior, The phrase, the seven spirits which are before his throne. Now, this is the first uh, uh, maybe uh, difficult verse as we uh, jump in here. And we look at the seven spirits which are before his throne in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 4. The Bible says, John, the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. So who are the seven spirits in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 4? It refers to the Holy Spirit, refers to the Holy Spirit. Now you say, Pastor, wait a minute. I've always been taught about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I've never been taught about seven spirits, and and, uh, it's all about the Trinity, not about the seven tree. Uh, You know what, the truth of the matter is that this is a perfect example of taking the things that we know and using the Bible to be a commentary on the Bible. John is apparently describing the Holy Spirit and all of his plentitude and all of his power. The seven spirits remind us of the seven titles given to the Holy Spirit in Isaiah chapter number 11 and verse number 2. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 11 verse number 2, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him The spirit of uh, wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Look at the seven spirits, if I can use that, in describing the Holy Spirit of God. The seven adjectives or adverb phrases that we see in Isaiah chapter number 11, describing the spirit of God, describing the Holy Spirit. First of all, in the spirit of the Lord. Second of all, the spirit of wisdom. Third of all, the spirit of understanding. Fourth, the spirit of counsel. Fifth, the spirit of might. Sixth, the spirit of knowledge. And seven, the fear of the Lord. When we think about the Holy Spirit and the fact that He indwells us... We have everything that we could ever need when it comes to God. We have the Spirit of the Lord. We have the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. We have everything that we need as Christians to be successful that lives right inside of us. And so, when we read in Revelation chapter number 1, the seven spirits, it's speaking of the Holy Spirit of God. All three persons of the Trinity are involved in the salutation as mentioned in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5. And from Jesus Christ, the Bible says, "...who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood." Of course, we know that Christ was not the first person raised from the dead. For the Bible records several resurrections. The first being in 1 Kings chapter number 17, verses 17 through verse 22. Uh, of course, Elijah raising the widow's son. Christ himself raised at least three people. Uh, that's supposed to say from from the dead during his earthly ministry. However, all these mentioned later died again. All these that are mentioned that Jesus rose from the dead or the miracle of a, of, a, of a person being dead and had, had being risen is amazing. It's great. But we know that all of them later died again. But Jesus Christ is the first begotten of the dead. Christ's resurrection was different from all the other mentions in the Bible because he is still alive. He is still alive. The phrase first begotten is translated from the Greek and implies priority and sovereignty. Now, here's an important phrase. He is the first of all who will rise from the dead and live forever. Who is that? Who is the ones that will rise from the dead and live forever? Well, the truth is, it's us. You see, Jesus Christ was the first begotten. He was the first one that rose ...from the dead and lives forever. We are going to be the second begotten of the dead... ...if God does not return before he takes us home uh, to be with him. And if he... uh, Those that have passed on before... ...the Bible says that he is going to return... ...and the dead in Christ shall rise first... And those which are alive and remain will be caught up together to be with him in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We are the second begotten from the dead, those that have passed on and will not be alive at the time of Jesus' return. So he is the first begotten of the dead. We are the second begotten from the dead. There is much controversy today uh, about exactly how Christ will return. Some believe his return is being accomplished as he lives through the lives of believers. However, the scriptures say differently. Many people, Some people believe, not many people, but some people believe that Christ's return is symbolic of him actually uh, putting the Holy Spirit inside of us. When we are saved. That is not what the Bible states. His return is a real imminent return when he comes back to take his bride home. Uh, a great passage of scripture, Acts chapter number 1, verses 9 through 11. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in wide apparel, Which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He shall come like he was taken up. It is going to happen. It is a literal return. It's not the fact that he's living inside of us. And then, of course, in our passage, Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds. And then it says, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. The Bible says, every eye shall see him. They'll see him. So it's a literal return. And not only every eye shall see him, but he points out that even those that pierced him Will see him. This is something that I've read uh, hundreds of times, but I never really thought about the thought. And they also which pierced him. What does that mean? They also which pierced him shall see him. Well, the truth is is that Jesus Christ has not gone to heaven to stay. More than 300 times in the New Testament, we are told Jesus is coming again. The Bible teaches that some will see him while he is yet unseen to others, and he will be seen by some in one time, in one place, and by others at other times, and other places, and we'll look at that in the coming weeks. However, somewhere, at some time, in some way, every eye shall see him. Chapter 1 and verse number 7. Not only the living, but the dead, and even those that crucified him. And I struggled with that, and I needed a passage of scripture of affirmation to understand that even those that crucified him are going to see him again. Well, I found it. Matthew chapter number 26, verse number 64. Jesus saith unto him, speaking to Caiaphas, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man, First of all, sitting on the right hand of power. Second of all, and coming in the clouds of heaven. What an amazing thought. Even those that crucified Him are going to see Him again. I don't know about you, but I I understand that we serve a powerful, powerful God. And if He can make it so that every eye shall see Him And then the thought of at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. In Revelation 1.8, Jesus describes himself as the Alpha and the Omega. These are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. So we see Jesus as the origin and the end Of all things. He is the beginning and He is the end. He is Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, and He is the last chapter in the book of Revelation. So here's my last thought Be encouraged today that we serve a God who is in control. And not only in control, but literally is the beginning and the end of all things. He is the beginning and the end. Of all things. That's the God we serve. And so today, as we look at Revelation chapter number one, and we just kind of lay a good foundation, the thought process is, is that we should be encouraged. And not only should we be encouraged to study and to read, we should be encouraged that Jesus Christ is everything that we need today. Any questions? The question um, was raised about the second coming of Jesus Christ. There was some confusion. Um, uh, there, there is uh, two separate events that take place in the book of Revelation. Uh, there is the rapture and there is the second coming of Jesus Christ. The first coming of Jesus Christ, the word coming has the, uh, the concept or the idea of your feet actually touching the ground. And so the first time that Jesus came, of course, he was born in a manger, lived 33 and a half years, went to the cross, died for us, and was risen and went to heaven. When the rapture takes place, Jesus Christ's feet will not hit the ground. That is the rapture. That is when uh, those that were uh, uh, have gone on before will be raised, and those that are alive and remain will be raised, and will be living with, heaven, with God through the first uh, uh, through the tribulation uh, up until the millennial reign of Jesus Christ when his second coming will happen. The second coming is when he actually puts his feet back on the ground. So not to be confused with the rapture. The second coming is a separate event from the rapture. The rapture will take place first. That's the event that is imminent that we are waiting on today. And then the second coming will happen when he comes back for his millennial So please do not be confused about the two. I hope that uh, that clears that up. If you have any further questions about that, please let me know. But the rapture is the event that we are waiting for. Of course, the word rapture is not mentioned um, in the New Testament as an actual word. Uh, It is a transliterated word, uh, meaning caught up. And uh, we find that uh, throughout the New Testament, being caught up. And then, of course, in Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1, um, as he opens the windows of heaven. And so, uh, that's the rapture. And then the second coming is when Jesus Christ comes back for his millennial reign. Does that clear that up? Is there any other questions about that? All right. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here tonight um uh, there is our our brochures to hand out for back to church sunday uh one of the thing that we're doing is uh we are beginning a 36 hour vigil prayer vigil uh on uh september the 18th at nine o'clock p.m and it'll run to september the 20th at nine o'clock a.m it will finish up right here in our sanctuary Uh, you can go online and uh, you can sign up for this event if you would like to be a part of the prayer vigil. You don't necessarily have to be a member of our church if you'd like to pray Uh, for this. You can go to our website. There's a banner that says 36 hour prayer vigil. You can click on that. Or you can click on the events tab at the top, and you'll see 24-hour prayer visual. Uh, There's a sign-up sheet. Uh, You can go there, sign up for your time slot. Uh, More than one person can sign up for a time slot. But can you imagine what God can do if for 36 straight hours we petition him? On behalf of Back to Church Sunday and get our community here uh, under the sound preaching of the Word of God so that they can know that Jesus Christ is the only way and that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, if you'd like to be involved in that prayer vigil, we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, please invite people. You can invite them on Facebook. Uh, you can invite them through our website to come and join us for Back to Church Sunday. It'll be a wonderful, wonderful day. And I pray that you will plan to be a part of this great day and a part of the great events that are going to be taking place uh, on September the 20th. And then, of course, this coming up uh, Sunday is our REACH uh, launch. We'll reach our new theme on Sunday morning. And then there are many things that I want to talk to you as a church about on Sunday evening that I'm not going to be talking about on Sunday morning uh, during our REACH banquet about what God has laid on my heart that we should do as a church in the upcoming year. And I pray that you'll plan to be a part of all those things. Uh, let's pray together, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the Word of God. We thank you for what, it's, uh, what it means in our lives, and Lord, we thank you that we've had the opportunity to learn more about you. Lord, I do pray uh, for our upcoming event on September the 20th, that you would begin to, right now, prepare the hearts of those that will be coming to North Point Baptist Church. Lord, I pray that you'll help our church to be excited about those things and get involved and, and, and reach people and bring them uh, to this place uh, so that they can hear the Word of God. And then, Lord, as we begin our prayer vigil, Lord, I pray that you will bless it, Lord, as we call upon you and petition you. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us, for it's in your precious and holy Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.